0: Boys Gone Wild, episode forty-one. Tenant.
1: Tenant. 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 Yeah, not tenant. T E N E T. Tenant. Ten. Tenant. 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 Ten it. Tenant. No, you're you're adding another N. You're saying tenant. Tenant's
0: like, like a someone who's staying in someone
1: else's. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're a tenant. Tenant is a is a fucking weird made up word that he's got off like a stone tablet. <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome back to another, this is a special episode of Boys Gone Wild, I've got my good friend Sam Ely, he's a comedian but there's nothing of him online so for all intents and purposes he's not, uh, he's coming on the show as the second time, this is the first person to have two, He'd be a guest twice on the show but once again because he has no profile online we're not going to ask him questions about him. We're here, he's here to talk about something specific. Last time it to talk about a very uh, convoluted idea that we categorize people into being either pedo cuck or stinky. You can check that out in my last videos. I think it's episode, it's in the 20s, episode 20 something. Uh, but here we are now gonna discuss Christopher Nolan's new uh, blockbuster, ten, Tenet.
1: <laughs> tenet. Uh, we we uh, proceeded this, the recording of this podcast uh, by, uh, with me giving Horatio about a three-minute lesson on how to pronounce Tenet. He's been saying "tenant." Uh, so tenet, tenet, which is a made-up name. Well, it's like it, he found it on an old stone or something. Yeah, It's got some relevance <laughs> to something, yeah. which is which is sort of an ongoing... That's probably something I'll say a lot when mm-hmm. discussing the plot of this movie. The, the confusion on
0: whether it's Tenet or Tenet uh, sort of sums up the vibe that we feel about the whole film. Uh, If you don't know, Christopher Nolan is a huge filmmaker who made uh, Dunkirk, Interstellar, The Dark Knight Trilogy, arguably the biggest mainstream filmmaker working today. Every time he makes a film, it's a big cinematic event. I'm personally a huge fan of his. I'm probably going to do an episode where I discuss Christopher Nolan individually. But now we're just going to talk about the film Tenet, which even though I'm a big fan of his prior work, which Sam isn't, this we both agreed on was the writings of a madman. Uh, The script arguably... You know when IRA uh, prisoners used to smear their shit on the wall and write, like, kind of key words about freedom and stuff? This is yeah. sort of what I think Nolan did when he was trying to map out the, the script. It said, he said he took 10 years to, <laughs> to work out this yeah. final script. And I don't... I think probably should have stuck with one
1: year because I think it's just got more and more convoluted this time I mean, goes yeah, on. I can believe it took 10 years. It's not... It's clearly the product of someone who's uh, just so lost... In their in their like in their own head that it's it's, it's deranged. It's a deranged film, and uh, I think if you enjoy it, I know quite a lot of people have enjoyed it. Then they are deranged as well. Mm. Like I, there's I, um, something quite offensive to me about how awful I thought it was. Yeah. In, in like in a way that. Uh, you know, most blockbuster films are, are, are shit. You just write, you write, you write it off. Yeah. But
0: this, this got deep to the core of you, especially.
1: Yeah, and it's not even the... And you said I wasn't a big fan of Nolan's back catalogue. Like, you know, Memento's great. He's all right. Um, but there's something uniquely, terrifyingly shit mm-hmm. about Tenet.
0: You really confront... It's, it. It's shit in the way... That great art is good in the front, in the sense that when you're in watching a film that is of true elevated high art, you confront your own mortality and you view you view yourself from above, and it creates deep existential questions. You feel leaving confused and hurt, and you don't understand the world anymore. This had the exact same effect, but as a shit film. Yeah. and my kind of main view on it is that it took extraordinary skill and he's an incredibly skilled filmmaker and he did incredible innovations that I'd never seen before Uh, he shot it on film uh, when films dying out he used practical effects the, the concept of time I'd never seen before all of these elements the craft wise were so hard to do and it took such a skilled group of people to make something With there was no laziness it was so intense but when it came together as a film it is the ravings of a madman Uh, should we start from the beginning
1: yeah well i mean i think the main the best example of this is that there's so much stuff that is incredible about the film technically Mm. um but the the one thing that i can't get over is the fact that you can't hear a word of it absolutely mental the how much of the dialogue do you think is audible i would genuinely 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 20% Twenty percent. Yeah, I was going to say maybe forty percent, but then uh, you know, when you're missing half of it, there's just no way to. Put, you can't hear a word they're saying. We went to see it in a um, in a cinema in Dalston, yeah. in London. Um, I don't think there was anything wrong with the speakers. Like, I went in this hearing is a, this people is a complain big thing that
0: people have been complaining about. And I read briefly before going in a big review that was saying that um was saying that um that the sound mix was bad and then i saw the opening two minutes and i was really excited because it's got this extraordinary opening sequence and i was like you know what fuck it i love nolan i can't wait for this and then the first line of dialogue happens and it's just like and you're like "Uh uh-oh we're gonna be in for a long film when you know when the first line arguably one of the most important lines of any film you can't hear that's when you're like, oh God, this is ridiculous. The amount of words putting into it, the sound mix, the sound design otherwise was fantastic. But when you can't hear what they're saying, while there's arguably the most complex plot put into mainstream cinema ever, I'm going to come out and say that, into mainstream blockbusters, the summer big blockbuster film. I don't think any blockbuster film has ever had a complex, more complex plot and yep.
1: you couldn't hear the dialogue. It did read like a fever dream. It was truly upsetting. It's insane. And there's a lot of dialogue. And the dialogue's important. Like, there's a lot of exposition and stuff happening. There's a lot of people explaining stuff. Mm. It's just like, I was thinking about it on the way here. And I just like, I can't, it's insane. I don't know. People uh, must have asked Nolan how this has happened, right? Mm-hmm. Or the production company. Like, how, what, do you know what the budget of this movie was? It must have been 200 hundreds. Million. 200 million. Yeah. Right? And every movie like that, there's going to be endless test screenings, right? It's been in production for ages. Like, I don't understand how it's possible. It's like they made the movie when they found at the end of it that there was like a bit of poo on the camera the whole time. <laughs> and they were just like, let's just put let's put it out. It's fine. Nolan's like, no, I, I wanted it there. I wanted the bit of poo there. Are you sure? There's a bit, there's a whole chunk of shit in the corner visible for the entire film. I like that. I did that on purpose. It was a creative choice of mine. <laughs> it did feel like that. Because he must have, I, I mean, it They did. had to know. <laughs> How could they have not known? <laughs> did, did they, they, like I'm at the point where I'm like did they just not watch the movie or are they just listening with headphones (laughs) headphones. surely I
0: don't know I mean because I've heard like um like a mistake that some musicians uh mu- music mixers make is they only listen to it with great speakers I and mean, right. most people listen with shitty headphones so like top music producers often listen with like shitty apple headphones so they can understand what that experience is like yeah. maybe something like that happens so it's that- one of
1: the biggest film production companies <laughs> in the film world. Production
0: where they only did it in their plush sound room and they perfected it in that one room and then when you take out to any wider space but he must sitting in the premiere but i tell you why it's because Nolan knows this film inside out. He's a yeah. maniac. He doesn't have a phone. He kind of is a possessive, he's an obsessive filmmaker. Uh, he This is all he does. He's a full alter. He's a true filmmaker. This is all he's thought about for like 10 years. Yeah. He's, this is in his mind. He knows it's inside out. He's really careful with all these things, but he knows it so well that he understands the muffled dialogue. So when yeah. he's sitting there, obviously he knows what uh, is being said because he's been gone over it so much. And obviously yeah. that is the problem. Um, with him having this much control. He has this much control which is unparalleled arguably because even though there's directors who get big film budgets, um, they often have lots of caveats. Because he has his own production company because he literally makes billions of pounds every single film. Every single film he makes is a smash hit. He's in that kind of unparalleled class where he has complete control and endless money, which I really don't think even, Scorsese had to go to Netflix to get The Irishman made, because know they knew that even though he's a huge director, he's not gonna make the money back. Nolan managed to get in the cinema, shooting on 70 millimeter film, the most expensive way to shoot film, uh, complete control. And that's why, even though it was upsetting, I truly enjoyed it, because it was the perfect summer blockbuster for 2020. <laughs> It really was. It was the perfect... Of course, we can understand the dialogue. Of course. (laughs) This has been the maddest year in any of our lives. And the defining summer blockbuster, which is a cultural signpost of any year, a way to look back on like 1997. What was the big hit that year? What was the summer blockbuster? Our hit was Tenet. And it was perfect. Because it was modern. It was new. It was utterly incomprehensible and it was upsettingly uh, ill thought out yeah you know? I'd
1: not thought about it like that but it's going to work as a time capsule like how how bad was 2020 really oh they they forgot how to talk. time capsule or untime capsule <laughs> oh wow <laughs> well i imagine that's the sort of thing that nolan says in his pictures the fucking warner brothers or whoever it is with a raised eyebrow <laughs> and they're like yeah yeah come on oh god um, so
0: let's let's go more into the plot um, Okay. So it sort of starts out, before this we discussed uh, whether we were going to give spoilers away. And then we came to the realisation that we can't give spoilers away. There's nothing to spoil because there are a lot of twists but there's so many twists that they cease to become twists. Does that make sense? So though we will try and decipher uh, this film and talk about plot points that uh, may be classed as spoilers, they are not spoilers, trust me. I am a huge believer that you should never ever get your phone out in the cinema. It's like a real f- principle of mine. I always, I don't put on silent. I turn the, f- the phone off. I agree. But during this, we, me and Sam both got our phones out to look at the plot on
1: Wikipedia. And weirdly, it made less sense. I Somehow. Was, I had my phone out the entire movie yeah. was following the plot on Wikipedia, the entire film, scene by scene. And I have no idea what happened in that film. No, yeah, that's not why, a clue. That's why we can't, I can't spoil it. Because I don't, know what's happened i read the plot again today um it, it makes absolutely no sense to me i can i can describe the pictures i saw on the screen <laughs> uh, but i i feel like i'm describing a dream that i'd ha- that i've had it has a real fevered f-
0: feverish dream quality um but for the plot um it starts out with this incredible scene of this sort of terrorist attack and you've got the main character, called the protagonist, they're not going to call him a name. Maybe in a minimalist art film, it would be cool to not name your main character. But in a film
1: as complicated as this, it just adds to the confusion. Um, I think that the, the lack of the name really speaks for Nolan's complete lack of interest in any kind of character development or any like having any coherence to the plot. It's an unnamed character going on an unknown mission working for an unknown company to stop an (laughs) unknown man with an unknown technology from ending the world in some unknown way all of that all of that
0: again but backwards as well (laughs) so whatever he just said there double it and reverse it and then flip it and then mix it all together
1: um and i'm sure nolan would say like the the lack of uh you you know all all of this this lack of explanation is, is sort of to make it more mysterious or exciting. But it's not. It's because he doesn't care. Nolan cares about his big, his big set pieces and his exciting sci-fi idea and has absolutely no interest in making any okay. three-dimensional characters.
0: You're Christopher Nolan and I'm right. the production company. Can you try and pitch
1: this film to me? <laughs> um... Well, th- I mean, I think all I'm going to do is, like, write up the box office takings of The Dark Knight <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> things like that and then be like I've got a new idea. I, I, when I when I, I keep wanting to do an impression of Christopher Nolan uh, and I keep wanting to do an American accent. But I've just realized he's English. Yeah. And but and that pains me so much because yeah. in my mind it's fine if he's just like this dumb American. Okay, I've got this great idea. <laughs> yeah. It's there's these people and they're going forwards in time and then they can turn around and go backwards and but <laughs> but boom. But <laughs> oh, but he's not He's a fucking old guy He looks smart He looks like he comes from Like a good back I'm so upset I don't know what's Happened to him I don't know <laughs> uh, um, how, uh, how would I pitch it Um, dumb. I imagine he's got dum, two dum, guys dum, dum. behind him going... As
0: There's a guy, no name, the protagonist. He is stopping a terrorist attack, but then he gets caught. And then they try to kill him, but they found out that they weren't trying to kill him. It was actually an unknown organisation who was actually testing him to make sure that he was loyal. And then he has to do a task that they don't know enough about, but they know it's big. But because they can only pass a certain amount of information between each other, because if he passed more information between each other, it would get out that what they're trying to do and if it gets out what they're trying to do then the whole world ends so he has to finally work out what it is but there's no one who could tell him exactly what there is because if there was someone who knew exactly what there is then the world would end uh so he meets this uh doctor who says i don't know fully what's happening but i can tell you this that we're getting sent these things from the past that go backwards in time so instead of firing a bullet you can unfire a bullet I don't know anymore you're going to have to go to Mumbai to find out more Mumbai (laughs) speak to someone have no idea what they're saying because we're going to make sure that you can't understand the dialogue in Mumbai arms dealer nondescript I'm an arms dealer I'm mysterious you're going to have to go to London London Michael Caine cameo yes of course there's going to be Michael Caine cameo I'm Christopher Nolan of course I'm going to have a Michael Caine cameo Uh, London London, uh, Michael Caine doesn't say anything of any worth, but does tell the character to get a better suit. Britain, London, very nice. Uh, and then that's that's the first 15 minutes of the film.
1: Just just jumping between <laughs> different inaudible conversations <laughs> with <laughs> different like cameoed actors.
0: Uh, yeah, and- what was incredible was that it was like, you'd because ha- you can't understand what they're saying, which made it such an extraordinary experience, is that you'd have this like, <laughs> cut Mumbai. And it would just be like cut London, Oslo. The way that you don't understand what they're saying and then it cuts to a new place. It's so strange for your brain to get your head around. And one of the, the, the kind of, when I realized that it was going to be an unbelievably convoluted plot is to begin with, he's of, this is all unknown. So it looks like I'm trying to not give the plot away. This is the plot. He's from an unknown sort of like, um police agency or something trying to stop an unknown terrorist organization and then he gets (laughs) captured by that unknown terrorist organization and they try to torture him to find out who hired him and so they with pliers take every single one of his teeth out so they're just taking it out he's in immense pain but then he managed to when they're not looking slip himself a cyanide pill and managed to kill himself this is the first Uh, three minutes this is the the first three minutes of the film the cyanide pill was a fake cyanide pill Uh, he wakes up it was a test but they did actually pull his teeth they (laughs) they did actually pull his teeth out so it was a test to see that he was committed and that under torture duress he would still uh, not tell the secrets even though no one actually knows what's going on Um, and he's completely fine with that so he wakes up he's and they're like i'm sorry he did not even apologize he goes basically he's got all new teeth So it cuts, he's woken up, all new teeth, completely healthy, even though he's just been utterly traumatized. All his teeth have been removed. And then they tell him his task and he just accepts it. There's like no doubt that these people who test him have removed all of his teeth. He just doesn't give a fuck. (laughs) It's a really interesting character who's that driven. Though one thing I will say is the physicality of his performance was extraordinary. Like, cause the the set, this is what I mean, is it was exhilarating. because one great thing about Nolan's, he uses all practical effects. So there's no CGI. It's not like a Marvel film where it feels like a candy-filled theme park. Uh, it is very real. And it you do notice the fact that they're all practical effects. And it is um, vibrant. And the fact that he there's no stunt double. He does all of it himself. And though there's these fights where he's fighting people or himself backwards, that's all... Uh, choreographed to immense detail so instead of like reversing and doing anything like that they actually do it live and it creates a really vibrant thing but it means that the confusion hits with more vibrance which is what is another shocking thing about it is that the craft makes it feel more alive, but what it makes it feel alive is nonsense. So it hits the nonsense
1: hits with even more bite. I, I think, yeah, I think this is one of the ways in which we experience the film differently. You can't. Horatia is not able to uh, watch a film without enjoying the good bits, yeah. right? If there's if there's if there's if there's anything of any achievement, yeah, y- you are still slightly enamoured and in awe mm. of it like I feel like if I it's more
0: because I've, I've made films so whenever I see something I'm like fuck there must have been a tough day on set like my head immediately goes to like god that must have been really like which is like a almost more unrealistic way to view films if you actually make films is that you can't help but view how if it was raining you're like oh that must I don't know how they and you're trying to work out how they managed to do it and that is like has some merit but you probably view it in a more realistic well, way d-
1: like if someone gave me uh, I was about to use another shit analogy and I realised that... Uh, go ahead, go, this is Boys
0: <laughs> Gone Wild. We, we, we use shit
1: analogies very freely at Boys uh, Gone Wild. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't so much bringing the tone down, just uh, bringing the tone down. Yeah, okay, here's my shit analogy, right? I, I feel like if I was given... If someone gave me for dinner like a, like a human shit that had been moulded into a, the shape of a dog, I'd... All I'd really notice is that they'd given given me a shit. But I feel like you'd, (laughs) after complaining about the shit, would also go on a rant about how excellently realistic it looked. It really looked, you could tell it was a schnauzer. None of these things. There were there, there were obviously incredible things about the film, but you couldn't hear it. It doesn't even matter that you couldn't understand it. It doesn't matter that there are no women in it. It doesn't matter that the sci fi thing is broken and the paradoxes are just like render the whole thing void. All of the other shit things don't even matter because you couldn't hear the film. Um, yeah, but uh, but we probably should talk about the other reasons it's terrible as well. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so more more focused on the
0: actual plot points.
1: Uh, yeah So they go So We wanted to talk about The twists in the film And I'm gonna tell you There are four twists In this film That I've counted uh, And they're all The same twist <laughs> The same twist Four times Okay I didn't even really Realise this That I'd been tricked <laughs> Until or untricked Or untricked Yeah <laughs> Uh, I, I reckon you get another. You can get another three more of those. In I think podcast. I get three more. I get three more. Basically, there's various points in the film where there's someone that they see in the distance, or there's a car and they can't see through the window, or there's someone wearing a mask, <laughs> and you and Nolan's going, "Oh, who's that? Who could that be?" Who could that be in this film where people come back from the future? Who could that person who's slightly obscured from view be in this film with three or four central main characters and no one else of any relevance? Who could the person... who uh, a woman's like, oh, I've seen a woman jumping off a boat. It's her! She's the woman! <laughs> it's him in the mask! It's him in the car! It's his mate! It's everyone, like... <laughs> It's so obvious, right? It's like 99% of the film is the most convoluted plot that I can't even begin to understand. And the 5% that he does give me is the most predictable, yeah, yeah, yeah. boring thing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. if there was just some middle ground, some yeah. if he could just... Uh, uh, like, um, all of his cryptic clues... Uh either like it's a fish and it rhymes with boona, or it's in like an ancient language that no one <laughs> understands there's no <laughs> he, there's no middle ground did you understand world war 3 was at risk
0: no i uh, cuz they I, don't really go into it cuz it that's what it, it seems at the beginning of the film like it's a war from the future but then we never find out what that war is and it seems to be about the oligarch I can't even I can't even begin to analyze that. Actually. The thing is
1: the the the, the overall plot it, I don't think does make sense, right? It's like a generic war that some guy with no real motivation is creating for yeah. some reason. I, I don't think even Nolan gives a fuck about that. Yeah, yeah. He just wants to play around with his clever new time travel thing yeah. he's invented. It's like time travel but slow. I, I there's a one really hilarious scene so
0: um Christopher Nolan has like a hallmark of using Michael Caine in all his films. He's done it since Batman Begins. He did it in The Prestige. And he's as Michael Caine's got older and less relevant, he's played kind of less relevant parts, collimating in Dunkirk where he's uh, merely a voice on the uh, uh, pilot's radio. Uh, his uh, cameo in this is the most irrelevant one so far because there's a scene this is why it's kind of you assumed he was american and i knew he was british he uh the character goes to london and it is like an american's view of london where uh there's like a shot of like green park area so it's like very fancy um kind of neoclassical architecture london um he walks into this one of these very fancy restaurants with like a very snooty English waiter, kind of like the stuff that Americans like you know get super hard for uh then he sits down Michael Caine's there once again we're watching this we don't know why he's there, obviously that's I hope we've made that clear. we don't know why he goes to any location. He sits down, Michael Caine is like devouring a, a roast roast dinner uh he sits down they have this kind of um witty back and forth I only know it's witty back and forth not because I heard any of the dialogue but because they had that it was cut in that way with the smile it's like hum-da, hum-da. Hum-da, hum-da, hum-da. Hum-da, hum-da, hum-da. <laughs> like you can just tell by the rhythm that it's meant to be like a, a a playful rhythmic dialogue uh the one bit I did catch which I think is the only thing that Michael Caine really adds is that he goes uh <coughs> That's not a good suit. If you're going to pretend to be rich, which is one thing he has to pretend to be a, a rich businessman, you're going to need a better suit. And then he goes, "Oh, you British are so snobby." And then Michael goes like, ruh, ruh, ruh. Um, "But it literally that whole sequence is the most cliche view of London I've ever seen by someone who grew up in London. It's very, very strange."
1: I always find it funny in uh, movies like uh, like this and like the Paddington movies and stuff. How how tough it must be for the people making it, being like, right, we need to find a bit of London that doesn't still look shit. Can we just find something (laughs) (laughs) to, like, play to the Americans' ideas of what London looks like? Like, that's so funny. Can you... uh... I, I, uh, and it's like
0: okay let's go to like you know and if you go to any of the landmarks now there's like a pret and mongera mcdonald's there like you have to just like there's like a th- couple of alleyways that you can do that look like london did in 1800s but they've got you gotta wait yeah. for the 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 tour groups to pass
1: through yeah <laughs> um but my favorite bit of the michael caine thing was like you're saying he's getting progressively smaller roles in nolan's film films the movie and the Scene with Michael Caine ends with uh, they have the conversation. The protagonist is walking away, leaves the table, turns away. Which is his name, by the way, the protagonist. The protagonist is the protagonist's name. (laughs) Walking away, about to leave the room, turns around and says, looks at Michael Caine in the eye and says, and I, I. I'm, as I say this, this is so insane that I'm worried that I've made it up because I can't r- really believe it, it, it happened It's the only bit of dialogue I understood in the whole scene. He's about to walk out the door. He turns around Looks Michael Kane in the eye and says Goodbye, Sir Michael and walks out. What? Well, so his name is Sir Michael. I, I think maybe we witnessed Nolan firing Michael Kane from his... <laughs> <laughs> like, this is your last movie. Progressively less relevant points. And just to really, like, hammer it home. where He's called Sir Michael. Is that not just the hackiest thing you could think of doing? You, you were interested
0: in uh, his presentation of women as well. Yeah. Which is like a thing. Uh, so Nolan does come under fire. Uh, across his uh, body of work there's kind of like a couple of uh, there's obviously a plot disagreements that we've been going over but there's uh, there has been criticisms of him for uh, being very white films not having many people of color not having many w- women in his films um that's been an ongoing thing and you you had some thoughts on that
1: yeah so and i mean when he's making dunkirk or something like that you know men are always going to go to war men are always going to make films about it let them have let them have, right? have it just let them whenever they try and crowbar
0: when you clearly they're trying to get the quota up on a war film it's yeah. just never like the present representation I think women want because it's always so convoluted because it's yeah. like obviously men have got together and we're like there's nothing more fun than making a war <laughs> film about men and then someone says actually we need like 20 minutes of women and they're like oh. yeah. and then it's just done with so little enthusiasm that it always yeah.
1: turns out shit but yeah I do agree um um, but this film, right, is entire science fiction, right? The the organisations are made up, the, yeah. the wars made up. <laughs> he could have done anything he wanted. There's no reason. There's like it's not like they have to be the the best, the strongest athletes in the world. There it could have been fifty percent men, fifty percent women, Easy. and easily. But it wasn't. There's I think there's like three women in the film, right? And every single time they come on screen, I feel like Nolan's going. <clears throat> Here's a woman, <laughs> a woman, sir. <laughs> no interaction, right? It doesn't even attempt to pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. If you know about that. Yes. Um, the three women, I'll tell you who they are. There's yeah. a, a, a woman who's like a scientist. Where, and this is him going, a clever woman. <laughs> A clever woman. She's
0: in there for two minutes, explains some science shit. Also, just one thing, just on that scientist. Um, To make it even more confusing, during the plot, she's an Anglo-Russian scientist. She's on screen for about two minutes and her accent is half Russian, half English. That's how sadistic Nolan (laughs) is. That he chose if she was the main character and she was anglo-russian and they went into her heritage that might be when you're like a two-minute character and you make her accent by a french actress doing a half english half russian accent it is just shows how little
1: he gives a fuck about making any sense but sorry um (laughs) anglo-russian Then uh, the second woman I'll talk about is one of the main characters who's like, I don't know, is she a love interest? I don't give a fuck about this film. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> but she's stickers shit, right? She sort of bumbles around, gets everything wrong and then towards the end of the film she does some stupid thing because she's emotional and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and almost destroys the world the knowing world. she's doing it. Yeah, nearly uh, is uh, causes World War Three to start. Um, just like For no, her own
0: selfish reasons because yeah.
1: she's so emotional. Not even good selfish reasons. Yeah, yeah. Just like, just because just, just she's a bloody woman. <laughs> and that's what they're always going to be like, aren't they, Chris? <laughs> but then my favourite one is the scene <laughs> where they go um, to find the head of this organisation. <laughs> right? The head of this organisation. And they get there and it's a man, right? And they talk to the man. And he's a very serious looking kind
0: of like, he looks like a Nolan man if you know what I mean he just it's, it, it has that gravitas of power yeah
1: and he he comes in he's in with his wife and he he's like you stay there wife I'm going to go out and talk to the men and you, and you then, assume
0: because it's a Nolan film you're like that's just what happens women are background characters yeah
1: and then uh, and they talk to the guy and uh, this head of the organisation supposedly uh, and when this guy realises uh, the main characters are, le- are legit he reveals that he's not actually the head of the organisation the real head is his wife <laughs> (laughs) And out she comes. And I imagine when Christopher Nolan wrote that, he was like, round of applause. No one was expecting that. (laughs) The business leader was the woman. That is, sorry, there were five twists in the film. And if you're anything like Christopher Nolan, that was probably the biggest one for yeah. you. Uh, <laughs> it's um, true. Just so, so. Proud but it's like patronising,
0: isn't it? Because the point of that is that you'd never expect a woman. That's yeah. sort of the point. Just here. have it as a woman. Yeah. Have it as a
1: woman. Don't have to be. Uh, you, you don't have to sh- like brag to the yeah. <laughs> to the audience like. <laughs> you know five years ago when I made a film this would have been the man but but I've learned my I just uh it was like and and you know I, I don't even care and let filmmakers do what they want but it, it was just uh, such an insight into Christopher Nolan cares about so few things so much and not at all about anything else. He doesn't care if people can hear his movie or understand his movie or or anything else that's going on in the world. He cares about his uh, science fiction um, story making sense in his own head and being clever and uh, having his quantum physics advisor mm. that he has. Uh, did you read about that? I, no, no, no advisor for script writing <laughs> but, or for anything that he could have done with. Just like um the few bits of physics he drops in for the drooling nerds yeah, yeah, who will, yeah. <laughs> who will, yeah. I'm a drooling nerd. I've got a fucking maths degree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's just, um, yeah, just a, a is another angry rant that's uh, trailing off.
0: Yeah. But I, I think we're, we're wrapping it up now. Thank you so much for coming on, Sam, uh, for a quick fire review of Tenant's. Uh, I don't know if it's st- is it still out in cinemas I'm not actually sure I probably should have researched that before um, but thank you very much uh, where can
1: people find you online um, um, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter yeah. I've got 112 followers Yeah. Um, uh, for more fiery takes but um, uh, I did I did a tweet today uh, got no likes in 20 minutes and I deleted it Okay, so that's sort of the... If you want to find out more about Sam,
0: tough luck, because you can't. (laughs) Uh, Are you doing any gigs soon?
1: Um... Probably that, this is presum- come out, but this comes out like Friday normally. Uh, well, then I was doing a gig yesterday <laughs> uh, at the Blackout. So if you discover one of Christopher Nolan's turnstiles, you <laughs> can go back in time. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> if
0: you can go, you can, if you can harness untime, then you can maybe go back and see Sam uh, crush at the Blackout. Uh, do you have any other a- anything you want to plug or anything of any value to say to end the podcast? You're allowed to say no.
1: Um i'm i'm sort of obsessed with recommending things that i think are. oh yeah go on yeah yeah so i feel like i should recommend something that i think is good yeah
0: that's good go on do you want to recommend uh uh do you want to recommend a film a tv show podcast yeah is that too much
1: yeah no i do want to do that
0: okay so do you want to start which one do you want to start with
1: all right uh film tv show podcast this has got nothing to do with anything that's fine these are just amazing things that everyone should watch uh, there's a movie called System Crasher. Yeah. Uh, I think it's German, but okay. it might be Scandinavian. System Crasher, watch that. Um, known as, uh, uh, no one's heard of it. It's just an amazing film. Watch it. Yeah. Uh, TV mm, show. TV show. These things all couldn't be more different from Tenet. There's a TV show called Olive Kitteridge from mm-hmm. 2014 that no one seems to have watched. It's a miniseries, isn't it? Miniseries, yeah. Four episodes long. Francis McDormand, Bill Murray, a bunch mm-hmm. of other people. Yeah. It's just fucking incredible like just really amazing. Uh, and then podcast, um, there's a podcast called Futile Attempts. Okay. It's just come out by Kim Noble, oh, yeah. who's this comedian slash almost performance artist, uh, which you should ignore that if that puts you off. And he just does these insane things. He's 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 like uh, even more deranged than Christopher Nolan, but he manages to create the most incredible. Mm-hmm. Just watch, listen to Futile Attempts. Um, uh, it's amazing and uh i would recommend
0: film putney swope 1968 film by robert downey senior it's a extraordinarily uh, bold film filled with a lot of spirit and uh, it's a great satire of american corporate culture one of the most free kind of thinking films i've ever seen highly recommend you uh, the only place, the best place to watch is on youtube that's the best link i could find um really opens up your eyes to the possibilities of film TV show uh, me and Bibi have been watching uh, the seminal anime Neon Genesis Evangelion and it's truly extraordinarily good I'm, I'm actually starting to really get into anime as an art form and then podcasts I've been listening to um one of the growing (coughs) movement of dirtbag leftists who are sort of like the anti-woke left uh and these these two uh girls who are like second generation soviet immigrants from america um (coughs) called uh red scare that's what i'd recommend uh but thank you so much for coming on the show sam and i'll see you guys next week cheers